Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. A reading also from the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down for here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. So if you would, bow with me as we say a quick prayer to prepare to hear from God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am so excited for today as we are launching into a new series uh, on the book of Mark. And last week, we were privileged to hear from my good friend and our good friend, Ryan Reeves, who's a professor at Gordon-Conwell. And for those who missed it, you can uh, jump on our website and listen to the sermon there uh, as he began this look at the book of Mark. Uh, this week, we actually read from two different books. We read from an excerpt from Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4, all about Jesus being led into the wilderness by God. Now, I know some of you have been in church your whole lives. For some, today may be the first day you've ever come to church. Both today and in the days ahead, we're going to look at Jesus, who he is and why he came. So the title of my message today is called Into the Wilderness, and I want to begin with a question. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a difficult wilderness experience? It could be literally or figuratively. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a difficult wilderness experience? Some of you have had the um, joy of meeting my brother, Chris. Um, Chris is actually... Uh, I think, done communion here once, and he's visited several times. He, like me, is a pastor. Um, but it wasn't always his trajectory to be a pastor. In fact, 
when he was in college at Montreat College, which, by the way, is where our own Trenton and Brooke Durham went to college, in western North Carolina. Anyone been to Asheville, Montreat? Raise your hand. So my brother went to Montreat. Uh, so did Trenton and Brooke. And Montreat's known for several things, but one of the things it's really well known for is its outdoor education major. And in fact, I think they've got the premier outdoor education program. So if you want to be an outdoor wilderness guide of some variety, you tend to go to Montreat or a school like it. And my brother thought, that's my destiny. I'm going to be a wilderness guide. And one of the things they do early on in this program in college is they uh, send you out into the wilderness, if you're an outdoor ed major, for 30 days to test your limits, if you will, to reveal who you are so that you can help others do the same later in life. And so it was in the mid-90s, and they packed huge bags, and there was 12 of them, and they sent them into the wilderness, dropped them in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And quickly, my brother realized that this was going to be a hard trip, being led into the wilderness. Why? Well, they went to set up their tents only to discover they didn't have tents. They didn't believe in tents. They believed in tarps, right? And some of you, you're already like, that's too much for me. Okay, so show of hands, who here likes to camp? Raise your hand. Who here thinks camping is best done from an air-conditioned bed uh, where you can do day trips? Raise your hand, Jason, others, Butch, others. Yes. Okay. My brother started in group A, and as we'll discover, I think he's now landed in group B, okay? But nonetheless, they're setting up the tarps, and there are certain principles and rules you got to learn when you're in the wilderness. And one of those he learned was um, early on, you got to share. You see, the instructors didn't pack enough food for 12 people, they packed enough for 10 people. Jedi mind tricks, if you will. They, they right away realized we don't have enough food. So you got to work on teamwork and selflessness. Another thing they said is no matter what, you can't keep food around the, the tarps, around the, camp, you know, the campsites we're traveling to. So you have to string them up into the, into the trees, right, guys? Well, one night, they're sleeping under their tarps, and all of a sudden, my brother hears, Help me! And a bear is dragging a young lady down the mountain several hundred yards by her sleeping bag. True story. I forgot to say in the earlier service, she survived. So earlier service people, <laughs> if you're here in the end, she did survive. But what happened? Well, she had snuck M&Ms into her sleeping bag. True story. And you think, that's crazy. They're in the wilderness. They need to abandon their trip. Nope. They all went on for the 30 days being immersed into the wilderness. At one point, they're set up for three days alone, silence and solitude, you know, kind of like Castaway, Tom Hanks. And my brother, he's silent, solitude. You're supposed to deepen your walk with the Lord. He discovered after the trip that eight of them had a secret plan to get together at a secret swimming hole. He didn't get to enjoy that. So once again, you had a group being disobedient. So he makes it to the end of the 30 days, and he's so excited. And they end at Mount Mitchell. Who here has been to Mount Mitchell? I think it's the tallest mountain on the eastern seaboard or something like that. And guys, here's the good news. No matter what your parents say, you can drive to the top. 
Just a heads up. Beautiful view. But they, they, they wake up and they hike to the top to end their 30th day. And he's like, thank God. And they're taking off their packs near the vans. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the instructor says, okay, one more task. And they hand out maps. And they say, without your gear, you now need to run back to Montreat. And to say that my brother wasn't blessed is an understatement. It's, Brooke Durham thinks it's 14 miles. I was told by somebody else it's a 22-mile hike or run from Mount Mitchell back to Montreat College. And the instructor said, go. So it's no surprise that my brother gets back and he's like, I'm no longer going to be an outdoor education major. Can you blame him? You see, the truth is all of us have gone or will go through a wilderness experience. And it doesn't have to be like you, Carl, being sent into the woods by your wife, which she might want you to do that, but it might be a season in your job, a transition in your marriage or family, a loss of someone. All of us have gone through or will go through tough times a wilderness experience. And that's what our passage is all about as we see God leading Jesus into the wilderness. I think the overarching point of our passage is this. Before we can learn to trust God in our lives, we must first learn to trust him in the wilderness. Specifically, we see three things in this passage. In the wilderness... God forges our character. Secondly, in the wilderness, God reveals our hearts. And third, in the wilderness, God displays his love. So let's unpack these points from our passage. Point number one, the first takeaway is this. In the wilderness, God forges our character. We read uh, both from Mark and Luke. The Spirit immediately drove him, Jesus, out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Elsewhere we read, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, not away from it. The backdrop of our, backdrop of our passage is this. When, Mook, excuse me, when Mark starts, this book of Mark, there had been a huge silence from God with his people. Ryan talked about this a little last week. There had been a several hundred year silence where there was longing and, and waiting for God to show up and to speak up. And then in Mark chapter 1, we read that God literally rips open the heavens, uses this guy, John the Baptist, who's a bit of a weirdo, kind of a monk out in the desert. There's a flash mob of people going to see John, and he's like, you don't want to see me. You need to see the one who's coming after me. I'm here to prepare the way. And next thing you know, Jesus is on the scene, John, uh, Mark Chapter 1, Jesus is on the scene and he's baptized, not with water. It says, the heavens are ripped open. 
God's silence is broken, and he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then there's this declaration from God the Father. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And you think, okay, time for a cosmic celebration. No. God doesn't lead Jesus into celebration. He leads him into the wilderness. He leads him into preparation. Isn't that interesting? In the wilderness, God forges our character. For those who care about this thing, uh, this type of thing, the wilderness here, it's talking about a specific piece of uh, land between uh, the inhabited lower part of Palestine and the Dead Sea. It literally is translated devastation. So in Mark chapter 1, we read, God declares, this is my beloved son. And then he leads Jesus, this son, into devastation, into the wastelands. What's that about? Well, it's in the wilderness God forges our character. You know, looking at the whole of Scripture, it's in the wilderness where Abraham hears God's promise, isn't it? It's in the wilderness where Jacob wrestles with God. It's in the wilderness where Moses receives his call. It's in the wilderness where God shapes his people. It's there in the wilderness where Joshua rises in leadership. It's in the wilderness where God cultivates little David, the shepherd boy's courage to be a king. It's in the wilderness where Elijah meets and follows God. God shapes and molds us as his beloved sons and daughters in the wilderness. So where are you at right now? Can any of you relate to being in a tough, trying season of your life? A wilderness experience, if you will. If you find yourself in the wilderness, I invite you to consider that it might be God seeking to connect with you and develop you rather than destroy you, as some may say. It's in the wilderness that God forges our character, point number one. Point number two, it's in the wilderness that God reveals our hearts. Uh, our family has uh, simple rhythms, um, and one of those rhythms is to watch the show called Into the Wild with Bear Grylls. Has anyone seen that show? Raise your hand. Like pretty much Garth Cook in the first service, he almost jumped up. He was so excited. I've been watching Bear for 10 years. And so, it, you know, Bear's a Christian. I don't know if you know that. He follows Jesus. Um, he's the face of the Alpha program out of Holy Trinity Brompton. He's got quite a testimony. So what's this show all about for those who haven't seen it? Well, Bear is a former British Special Forces, I think, officer, and he takes celebrities and athletes, where? Into the wilderness, into the wild. And as he does this, uh, they unplug from the world that, of comforts and you know, fame, and they're kind of brought to the bare bones of who they are. It's a really interesting show. I, I, you can Google it. There's full episodes online. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, and a couple weeks ago, we were watching this show, and um, this Super Bowl uh, champion known as Beast, or Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch, was taken into the wilderness, into the throes of Corsica, okay? And... Um, Right out of the gate, they have a uh, combative relationship. Bear, the host, the special forces guy who's leading this excursion, and this pro athlete. 
And uh, they, they, they land with a helicopter into this rugged terrain, and, and Bear gives him an ancient knife and a stick, and they tie the knife to the stick. And he says, Marshawn, uh, we're going to now go and look for a wild boar to eat. And Marshawn's like, are you crazy? <laughs> and sure enough, shortly thereafter, they see a wild boar, and, uh, and he's like, okay, like, now we got to go get him. And Marshawn's looking at him like he's crazy. Marshawn's from the inner city of Oakland, from what I understand. And, um, and he's like, well, just give me a gun. And he's like, listen, anyone can shoot a gun, but this takes courage and skill. What do you got, Marshawn? And soon enough, they chase this, this boar, and it actually goes off a cliff, as you can see in this picture behind me. And it's like 50, 100 yards down this cliff. And Marsan's like, look, there it is. And Bear's like, great, now I need you to go get it. And Marsan's like, are you crazy? And um, so Bear ties him in and has him rappel down. And not only rappel down, but then tie this 100, 150-pound boar to his waist. And then he has to climb up with it. By the end of the climb, Marsan looks like he's about to punch Bear Girls in the face. And then we hear Bear say, hey, uh, give me that knife, Marshawn, now I need you to essentially cut this boar up so we can have dinner. And um, there's this exchange, it almost lands in fists, where Bear, they, they cut up the hog, and then Bear thinks it's a good idea to put uh, blood, as, like, as if Marshawn's a warrior on Marshawn's face, and Marshawn is not blessed by this. In fact... He says, I'm about to put my claws on you. We're about to go to hands. And he gives them this death stare, right? That's a, and it's like this pregnant pause where he's doing this. Like, don't mess with me. Uh, but by the end of the trip, they're friends, right? They're, they're laughing. And uh, Marshawn does things he's never imagined he could do. And uh, Bear had this to say. Quote, I think one of the things about Marshawn is it takes a lot for him to trust somebody. And we see that in Marshawn, and we see that in ourselves in the wilderness. You see, when we are most vulnerable, who we trust or don't trust is revealed, isn't it? So I want to just be honest. I think all of us, if we're true and if we open up kind of the lids of our lives, all of us struggle with trust, don't we? Some of us are kids and we've seen the cracks in the armor of our parents and we're like, are they trustworthy? Some of us have grown up in broken homes and, and we are asking, is marriage trustworthy? Some of us have seen... Um, good friends die or struggle with addiction, and we say, is this world trustworthy? Some of us have been betrayed. Some of us have made such bad mistakes that we live in this deep shame and think, I'm not trustworthy. And here in this passage from Luke chapter 4, we get the very enemy of God saying this, don't trust God. No matter what, don't trust him. And we're not going to unpack especially what he says, the specifics, but I'll just highlight what he says. 
he says to Jesus, and if we're honest, we hear these whispers even in the dark chambers of our lives, especially when we're vulnerable. Jesus, take this provision. Make these stones bread because God can't be trusted to provide for you. The second thing he goes and he says, Jesus, look around you. This world can be yours. Take this power because where is God? Has he answered all of your prayers? And last but not least, he says, Jesus, if God is so good, if you throw yourself from this cliff, he says he'll protect you, won't he? But will he? And so it's, it's in the wilderness, it's in these dark, trying times where we're shaken at our core and our trust is called up. And here's the hardest part, right? Will God, will he provide for me? Will, will he empower me to get through this? Will he protect me? And Satan says, Trust you, don't trust him. Kind of a parallel account, if you will, from the early books of the Bible, from Genesis you know, 1, 2, and 3, where there's this serpent, Satan, whispering to Adam and Eve like, if he loved you, and that's what's happening in this exchange, if God loved you, dot, dot, dot. And here's the thing. As we all struggle with trust and as we all are offered these little temptations, we all take the bait. The Bible says this, we all like sheep, we go astray, we each turn to God, no, we each turn to our own way. And it happens over and over and over again. Sin is simply this, turning from God to trust yourself. Sin says God is this way and this way is human flourishing. And we say we don't trust that trail. We don't trust that way. We don't trust him to protect us, provide for us, etc., etc. And it's in the wilderness where our break in trust, our struggle with trust is most revealed. Funny story I shared at the first service as I was thinking about this. Beyond Marshawn, right? Marshawn's a pro athlete from the inner city. <laughs> he's brought into the, you know, the wastelands. And he's struggling to trust Bear, right? Well, that trust came into question even with my wife recently. We were climbing at James Island State Park, rock climbing. And she got up to the top. She made it to the top. And the guy says, okay, just kind of lean back, 50 feet up, lean back, and start coming down. And she goes, I'm not coming down. I'm, I was sitting there. It was this weird thing. I'm not coming down. And he goes, ma'am, just lean back and, and let me kind of take control here. And she goes, I don't know you. She screams. There's other people. I don't know you. I don't trust you. I promise. Pastor's wife, what's going on here? I don't trust you. And there's this awkward pause. And this poor guy, he says, why don't you just trust me a little bit and see if your weight holds? 
And without saying anything, she leaned back, and she was secure. And he had her. He had the weight. And he brought her down as she repelled. But the truth of the matter is we all can relate to Carly, can't we? We all can relate to Marshawn, can't we? In the wilderness, we all struggle with trust. Which leads to point number three. In the wilderness, God displays his love. We read these words from John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is directly describing Jesus' coming, who he is, why he came, and what he brings. Jesus being the word of God. Jesus is God, was with God. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. But he descended. Eugene Peterson in the message says, Jesus dropped downs and he moves into the neighborhood. Another way of looking at it, he goes before us and with us into the wilderness. Later we read in John 3, for God did what? He so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In the wilderness, God displays his love. How? By sending his son before us and with us. And looking at the whole meta-narrative of history, the whole meta-narrative of scripture, this isn't just dealing with that point in time in our own struggles with trust. This is dealing with a cosmic break in relationship in a cosmic battle as we see between the adversary, Satan. You see, God says, I don't divorce humanity. Frank, I enter it to be with you. Why? Because I love you. You see, where humanity has failed, God says, I will not fail you, Kristen. How do we know this? We look at Jesus. What's interesting about this passage is it's a direct parallel to the Israelites in their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. In fact, if you want to do some more research, the very scripture Jesus uses to combat the adversary Satan with the temptations, they're from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 8. The point is, over and over again, here's the summary of the Bible. Over and over again, God calls his people to trust and follow him, have faith in him. And over and over again, we say, ah, but I don't. And we walk our own way. And after hundreds of years of silence, God rips open the heavens and he sends his son Jesus. And he says, they failed me, but I won't fail them. And in so doing, he builds our trust, he gains our trust, and he saves our lives. We can not only trust him, we can even follow him. Why? Because he's gone before us. All of our temptations, 
all of our trials, all of that stuff, Jesus himself has gone through. In fact, what's amazing about the Christian faith versus every other faith tradition is God, the holy God, the other God, the transcendent God, came near. There's this picture in Genesis chapter 1 of God before man sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, where it says, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. You could almost hear the crunch of the leaves in the dirt under his feet. And then they sinned. There's this break in relationship until this very moment, until the entry of the New Testament, until the entry of Jesus Christ, and God comes down into the wasteland, and he says, I'm here for you. Why? Because I love you. Later in the Bible, we read Hebrews 2, uh, verse 18. For because he, Jesus, himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Students, Sully, Colin, Caden, when you're tempted, Jesus was tempted too. He's not going to kick you down for your humanity. He enters into it and says, you know what? I love you, I save you, and I walk with you. Trust me. And that, friends, is how we see in the wilderness God displaying his love to us. Jesus goes before us and is with us. One last point before we summarize what we've learned. Over 150 times in the book of Mark, present historical tense verbs are used. Jesus loves, Jesus leads, God saves, etc., etc., etc. This isn't a historic event. This is a real event. God is saying, Crystal, no matter the wilderness experience, I'm going before you and I'm going to be with you over and over and over again. Theologians call Mark the go gospel. It's the Cliff Notes gospel. It's all action, and it's action of God coming to you, Butch, coming to me, coming to them, and coming to us. So in summary, before we learn to trust God in our lives, we must learn to see him and trust him in the wilderness. God leads us into the wilderness to, number one, forge our character. Number two, reveal our hearts and our break in trust. And number three, to display his limitless love. The great reformer Martin Luther, when he was asked, when Satan comes to tempt you and try to take you over, how do you respond? And he had this to say, well, when he comes knocking upon the door of my heart and asks, who lives here? The dear Lord Jesus goes to the door and says, Martin Luther used to live here, but he's moved out, and now I live here. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I rejoice that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to go into the wilderness before us and on our behalf. So God, for those in this room that are struggling with a wilderness experience, be it in home and longings or losses, God, I pray that as they search for 
whatever it is to fill their hearts, that they would see that you're right there with them, that you sent your son to save them and to lift them up and to go with them. May they see Jesus not far from the wilderness, but in it. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.